Welcome back, everybody. This is Sam Weaver hosting another episode of Tipsy Tuesday, a short segment covering rockslide.com tidbits, hunting news from across the West, with just a sprinkling of tips and tricks to keep you well-informed for your next adventure. Today's top announcement is Rockslide's 7th Annual Cold Bowl Challenge. It'll be open to contestants on Saturday, April 29th at 8.15 a.m. and will run until May 27th. The Cold Bowl Challenge is designed to test your realistic maximum effective range. You shoot one arrow each day of the challenge with no warm-up or follow-up shots and no practice in between days, hence the name Cold Bow Challenge. Basically, you start the challenge on your first day shooting by calling out your maximum effective range and posting a picture of your target with the arrow in it. You'll need to shoot a minimum of five days and post up each day to be eligible for the prizes. All the rules and sign-up locations can be found on rockslide.com in the archery form on a sticky at the top of the page. This isn't a contest. It's a personal challenge to test ourselves and our equipment against changing conditions that can happen in a hunting situation. Will our arrows hit where we think? Because Rockslide is generous and has some amazing sponsors, they will be randomly drawing qualified shooters for the following prizes. Iron Wheel has donated a six pack of their new custom machine built arrows or six of their famous broadheads. Mountain Tough has graciously donated a one year subscription plus a shirt, hat, and hoodie. Bonescope is always a huge supporter of the Cobo and is offering a bundle valued at $140. Pyro Putty is in with the $50 fire starter package. Scree Gear graciously donated an Elite Starter Bundle. Crispy threw in the Ativia Shoe. Camel Fire donated a pair of the Black Ovis Field Pants. Black Ovis donated a dozen custom arrows. Argali threw in the High Country and Mob game bag sets. Onyx threw in an Elite Membership. And Vortex has offered up the Crossfire 1400 Rangefinder. Thank you to all the sponsors for being so generous again this year. And remember, only the first 100 shooters will be in the drawing. If you guys are anything like me looking outside, it's more like winter than springtime. If your bow hasn't been off the hook yet this year, don't worry. I've lined Justin Davis up to help us get these bows shooting strong in no time. Justin Davis has been around Rockslide since its inception and has taken nearly every big game animal in Colorado with archery equipment. To say he loves to shoot his bow is a huge understatement. Welcome to Tipsy Tuesday, Justin. Welcome. Thank you for having me. All right. Let's start from the beginning for those guys who hung up their bow after last season closed and are just dusting it off to get into the cold bow. Where would you start? All right. So for everybody who had their bow put away all winter long and they're just getting it out, it's a good thing, I think, to do a good once over of your bow and make sure everything's working properly and make sure that you don't have any damage that happened while maybe it was stored, you know, start with looking over your riser and also your limbs, make sure there's no cracks or chips in your limbs. Thing you can do is run your, run your fingers over your limbs or even getting out a, a cotton ball and run it along and that cotton ball will catch on if you have any splinters that you, you're not seeing. Also, while you're there, take a look at your cams, make sure there isn't any, you don't have a bent cam or you don't have any dings 
or anything that are in that uh, where your string runs the track on your cam because if you have any dents in there or sharp edges with that metal it can cut your string and that that's a cause for catastrophe also going through your bow uh, go through and check all the bolts and screws make sure they're all tightened down a good idea that you had sam was to make sure they're all loctited uh, that's something i normally don't do but i should um, i usually just go through and make sure they're all tightened down but it's a real good idea to put loctite on so they don't loosen up and the other thing is check make sure your arrow rest is working properly depending on if you got a drop away or if you have a limb driven rest or whatever rest you're using make sure that's all working properly take a look at your strings and cables uh, make sure that there's they're not frayed or there's no damage to them serving separation on the cables anything that you need to get repaired or if your string and cable are in bad enough shape if it's something you need to just replace before you get to really shooting your bow for the summer going into the season it's better to replace your stuff if your strings and cables look like they're in good shape wax them real good before you start every few times you shoot so keep that in mind that they don't if they didn't dry out real bad from not waxing them the other thing to do is uh, check your d-loop make sure probably a good idea just to put on a new d loop at this time start out with a fresh one what once you get all of that checked then you're going to want to measure mark your bow yeah right? good, it'd be a good idea to check your axle to axle and your brace height and in my my opinion they don't need to be exactly as the factory spec as the bow company says it is but it just needs to be pretty close in the ballpark is good and then from there if if you're everything if you did a good once over of everything it looks good your arrows and veins are in good shape then um, i think at that time you should put your bow in a draw board and check the cam timing as i found that the timing of a bow is really crucial to optimal arrow flight um, so it's possible that something changed over the winter so it's a good idea to make sure that you're bows in time yeah and i think if you don't have your own draw board it's it's a great idea to make at least one trip to the archery shop and have them help you yeah. out especially at the first of the season and just make sure yep. everything's working and i know a lot i have some friends that own archery shops and there's there's a lot of guys that show up a week before the season and they start to do this so it's a good idea that we're doing it now in the in the springtime you know it gives you all summer to get your bow dialed in cam timing to affect that big time if it's you don't have the timing just right your arrow isn't going to fly well. So now we've gotten our bow, we've got it out, we've made sure that it's good to go, we're ready to shoot it. What are some of your tuning tips that you have? I know there's a plethora of tuning methods. What's your preferred Yeah, so there's a lot of different ways. For me, I'm strictly a hunter, so I want my broadhead to be flying the best. And I usually strive for tuning my boats to where the field points and the broadheads hit identical, if not really, really close to each other. I skipped the paper tuning. So I've had a perfectly tuned bow that's shooting my broadheads with my field points the way I like it. And then I shoot it through paper and it's, it's showing a weird tear. So I, I skipped the paper tuning and I just start off with bear shaft tuning. And I usually start at 20 yards and I'll take bear shafts and shoot them with my fletch. Tune it that way. Get that bear shaft to fly straight. And it, depending on the bow, you're going to have to yoke tune adjusting the yokes or if you if your bow requires shims you're gonna have to shim it to get that bear shaft to fly right from there once i get it 
once I get that bear shaft flying the way I want it to, start shooting broadheads and field points um, at further distances and getting them mixing. Once you get that bear shaft flying well, your broadheads fly pretty good because that bear shaft is just mimicking what your broadheads are going to do. So if your bear shaft's hitting to the right, that's where your broadheads are going to hit. Usually I, I'll just fine tune a little bit with the broadheads and the field points and I'll just kind of move back in, in yardage and get further out because the longer the distance, the more greater the air shows. From there, then I'll, I'll do, I can do some really tiny movements with my rest. I'll tune it along yardage and move my rest just tiny little bits and bring those arrows and group them real tight together and find the optimal place that the, my arrows are flying the best at. I want to jump in here because you brought up a couple really good points I want to just clarify. So when you're first tuning your, your bear shafts and your broadheads together, you're using either the yoke or shimming your cams one way or the other to get them to hit together. So that's very important to note. And you're not even moving your rest until the end to make very fine adjustments once you've already narrowed yeah, it down. Correct. I usually set my and make sure my arrows just level level on the rest to start. Sometimes your bow tunes best with knock high or knock low, depending on your setup. But I usually start out with level. And then as far as like the center shot, I usually just set up my arrow going right down the middle of the riser. And that that's usually going to give me the best clearance. And I'll start with that. And then from there, you know, you're either going to shim or you're going to, you're going to use your yokes to adjust however you're going to get your optimal bear shaft to fly with your fletched or your broadheads to fly with your fletched. I'll just use that tuning method and I won't touch the rest and move the center shot at all in that initial tune. So once you have it tuned to what you feel is perfection, then you just go ahead and mark it with your sharpener. Yep, yeah, I'll usually make a mark. And then good. if you get to this point where you're feeling pretty good and everything's tuned and your bow is cams are in time, it's a good idea. Mark your rest and also mark um, where your cables are crossing on your on your cams. And that way you can tell if, something, if your timing changed. That's an excellent point. Then when you're out on a hunting trip, if you take a stumble or something, you can just have a visual reference bit very quickly that everything yep, is still exactly. That's a good idea. That was a lot of information, a lot of good stuff there. We'll have you back on Tipsy Tuesday as the season progresses. The Rockcast is powered by Onyx Hunt, and for good reason. Onyx Hunt is the number one hunting GPS app in the industry. It's the exclusive app of many of the Rockslide staff, including myself. Some of the features of the Onyx Hunt app are nationwide public and private land boundaries, topographic and 3D maps, track your route, location, and elevation profile, waypoints, lines, and area shapes, save maps for offline use, and create custom map layers. While many of the competitors have similar features, I find one of the biggest benefits in using the Onyx Hunt app is that my friends have it. Nothing more painful than trying to share a waypoint with someone who doesn't have the app. Another thing I've noticed with Onyx, it's pretty much glitch-free. Once you learn how to use the app, you will experience very few, if any, glitches in the app. We find on the Rockslide Forum, the guys that are having glitches with Onyx or any of the apps, they just don't know how to use it. Once you learn how to use Onyx, it will be there for you. Some of the member benefits you get with being with Onyx are top rut 
draws. They just added that in 2023. TopRep provides some of the most comprehensive draw odds information in the industry. Onyx is also offering constant upgrades like track trim. When they released that last summer, it really cleaned up my app because I was the guy that would go back to camp with my app on and walk around camp for two hours. And then when I would notice my track, it had these big scribble lines in it. Now you can trim that off. They're constantly offering similar upgrades. So if you're ready to make the jump, head over to onyxmaps.com, use the Rockcast promo code ROCKCAST, R-O-K-C-A-S-T, save yourself 20%. Close out. I got two questions. One, what broadhead are you going to be using? Um, this I'm going to be probably shooting Iron Will broadheads. I've been using them lately, and I really like the way they fly. The solid version that they offer. Yeah, I've never heard anybody that shot them that has any complaints other than they cost a lot more. Yeah, than that's the only, that's the only complaint is the cost. And what's uh, your thoughts on three fletches versus four? I know that's kind of a yeah. Big that's topic uh, right now. I've. I've shot a lot of different setups over the years. I, uh, I've even shot the six fletch with really tiny veins before I've gone that route. And I use that on a sheep hunt once just to have a really small profile. Right now I'm shooting three fletch higher profile setup. Generally, if I'm going to use smaller veins or shorter veins than what I'm using as far as the height of them, I usually will go with a four fletch. I found that the four fletch with smaller veins, you know, helps with the steering. Yeah, so basically it's a wash as long yep, as you're getting correct, your drag. Yep. If you're not getting it, you you end up adding yep. another vein. But if I'm going to use smaller oh, veins, then I usually am in a four, four fletch configuration, but just depending on what veins and as of late, I've been I've gone all the way down to really tiny veins, back up to now I'm using some short, high-profile vein setup. All right. Well, I appreciate your expertise and uh, you taking the time yeah, to share well, with us Yeah, thank you today. for having me on. I'm happy to be on any time and help out. All right. And if any of you guys that are listening have any questions for Justin Davis, go ahead and jump on Rockslide and uh, look up his member profile. Send him a instant message there and... Yeah, get back with you. Yep, thank you. All right, thanks, Justin. I'm pretty pumped to get my bow out and start shooting bullet holes. After talking with Justin and Tony, we all know just how deadly a well-tuned archery setup can be. If you want to see a great one in action, head on over to Rockslide's YouTube channel and watch Tony Treach in high desert hide and seek. Not only are Tony's archery skills rock solid, the footage of all those big bulls is simply amazing. I've watched it twice already. Stellar job, Tony. Thanks for putting together High Desert Hide and Seek for us. It scratches that elk itch while waiting for the draw results to drop. Jumping straight into a quick rock cast recap, Robbie was joined by fellow outfitter Cliff Gray. It's a long listen, but so full of information about mule deer hunting, you'll want to listen to it more than just once to ensure you haven't missed any of those precious nuggets. Last week, Robbie and Travis Hobbs were back with the Monteith Shop as they discussed Mitch Burnett's research project dubbed Do Coyotes Snatch Deer When Rabbits Disappear? Truly fascinating stuff. Thanks for bringing to us, guys. Now on to rockslide.com review articles. All this archery talk might have you thinking about a new bow. Les Welch delivers the goods on the Matthew Phase 4 bow. As expected, Matthew rolled out some very innovative improvements, including eight limbs on a single bow. Yeah, definitely something you're going to want to check out. 
Kyle Virgin reviews the Stone Glacier Solace. Is this the tent for your next adventure? Read Kyle's review for some great insight of how this tent handles some of the crazy weather conditions in Alaska. Justin Crosley reviews the new XO Mountain Gear K4 pack. You're going to want to dig into this review whether you're in the market for a pack or not. What a thorough review. Excellent work, Justin. You can really tell how much research and development went into the K4 design. You can check all these articles out on the rockslide.com homepage. That's R-O-K-S-L-I-D-E dot com. Now on to draw news. Last Tipsy Tuesday, we talked about the epic winter terrorizing the West and the possible implications it might hold on tag allocations. Well, Utah and Wyoming have released tentative tag recommendation, and it's no surprise that it's mostly less tags with just a few bright spots. Utah reports that deer across the northern portions haven't fared too well, and tags are going to be reduced in large numbers. The central part of the state remains stable, and tags look pretty similar to last year. While further south, the winter should push the southern units out of their long-standing drought conditions and allow for a slight increase in tags. Limited entry elk on the top five units, Beaver East, Book Cliffs Roadless, Fieldmore, Boulders, San Juan have decreased their bull elk management age. This will result in an increase of a tags by about 25%. These tags will all be going into the newly established mid-season rifle hunt in October the 7th through the 19th. All other limited entry units will still be managed for the same age class bulls, so no increase in tags, but there is a significant shift from those early September any weapon tags to the new mid-season October hunt, which runs congruent to the general spike season. Take note of these changes as you have to apply or modify before April 27th deadline. Wyoming also released its proposed tag numbers last week. They will be presented on the 18th and they are currently accepting public comments until then. Once again, expect serious tag reductions if you're planning to apply for an antelope tag. Several deer units are also looking at reduced tags, including Region H. More to come before the deer and antelope deadline on May 31st. Here's a quick rundown of the upcoming deadlines. Utah, April 27th. Kansas mule deer, April 28th. Idaho sheep, goat, and moose, April 30th. Montana sheep, goat, bison, and moose is May 1st. Nevada's all species is due by May 10th. South Dakota archery deer, May 11th. Oregon all species, May 15th. Washington all species, May 24th. Wyoming deer and antelope, May 31st. Montana antelope, June 1st. Idaho deer, elk, and antelope, June 5th. And Arizona sheep, bison, and deer, June 6th. Now for the news. Closing out on a brighter note for deer and elk in Colorado is Senate Bill SB 23255, which wildlife advocates worry could delay the introduction of wolves in Colorado by up to six years or more. If Bill SB 23255 is passed, it would prohibit wolf introduction until the following two conditions are met. Until the United States Secretary of Interior has made a final determination 
as to whether the gray wolf population is experimental, giving the state greater flexibility to manage its wolves, or the United States Secretary of Interior or the U.S. Department of Agriculture completes an environmental impact study required under federal law. If this bill becomes law, wolf introduction won't happen until 2029 at the very earliest, and the impact study has a six-year statute of limitations. So any further lawsuits could potentially delay it even longer, as the study would need to be redone. I'll be following this closely and keep everybody in the loop. Until next time, this has been Sam Weaver. Sam Weaver.